Good morning, church. It is so great to be talking to you this morning. Um, some of you will know me, those who have been around a little while. Um, it's okay, I feel old too. Um, I count YCC as my home church, um, but I haven't been around for a long time. So for those who don't know me, my name's Joe Herbert James, uh, and I was in Yeovil, lived in Yeovil, and I left there in 2005 to move to London and take up a job with Tear Fund. Um, so I was there for 15 years working at Tear Fund. Um, uh, did a lot of different things with them and studied some theology along the way. Set up something called the Justice Conference, um, helping people think about theology of justice and. Uh, but never divorcing theology from practice, um, which was a whole lot of fun. But now my husband and I, Pete, we moved to Cardiff um, nearly a year ago, actually, 10 months ago, for me to pursue a PhD looking at faith and ecology. Um, and Pete, my husband, he's doing a master's in theology alongside some work with the Baptists Association and uh, training to be a Baptist minister. So that's a little bit of me. Um, uh, and so I, I'm really delighted to be talking to you. It does feel a bit agonising that we're not together in person. Um, but I'm back in a couple of weeks to share and I will actually be with you in person. So I'm so excited about that. Those who know me know I'm an extrovert. Uh, so as many of us extroverts, we've been going crazy not having the people contact that we're used to. Um, but anyway, so today we're talking about values. Um, when Adam uh, asked me to come and speak, I was so excited to hear that you're spending so long going through your mission and your values uh, and your vision. Um, and so for some, you might be joining partway through. I'd encourage you to catch up on all the other talks. I've been reading and follow, listening, following along as we've been going through, um, because this is something, our, our mission, our values and our vision is something that we should be embodying, that we know that isn't just something that's written on a bit of paper or on a website, but actually something that is lived in us. Um, I often talk about the analogy, it doesn't always work in the UK, but uh, the, there's something, you may or may not have heard about it, the Liberty Bell that exists in America. Now, uh, as I say, many of us may not have heard of it. I used to do quite a lot of work in America and I would talk about the Liberty Bell and people knew what it was. People knew it was based in Philadelphia and it's become a tourist attraction and people go and visit it. Um, and the Liberty Bell uh, is connected to and associated to the abolition of slavery. And there on the bell, I often ask people if they know what's actually written in it or written and scribed on it. And what is written on the side of it are these words. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. Now, those uh, of us may be, some of us may be familiar these are verses from the book of Leviticus, Leviticus 25. And Leviticus 25 is a chapter about jubilee, about restoration, about liberation, about freedom from slavery, from debts, uh, a really significant part of the Bible. 
and so these verses this bell is was used as a symbol that abolitionists would ring proclaiming liberty throughout the land amazing right but what many people don't know is that bell was actually created many many years before uh, and it was actually made for an aristocrat for his birthday present I think it was it was a gift anyway and this bell just sat you know this aristocrat appreciated it um, but this bell really had no significance those words were still there uh, they existed on the bell for decades maybe uh, might have even been a hundred over a hundred years but until a group of people took those words and embodied them that bell meant nothing it was not even a symbol it was a forgotten old bell with words written down powerful words powerful words from the bible powerful words that meant something that if a group of people picked up those words and embodied them proclaim liberty freedom throughout the land to all the inhabitants thereof that became something powerful and meaningful but words until a group of people pick up those words and embody them it means nothing it's a forgotten symbol somewhere tucked away where people don't remember and so I want to really encourage you that as you go through this series and I love the, the kind of extravagance of spending so many weeks going through your mission, your values and your vision, really grappling together as a community. Think, I, I, I invite you to think about how you pick up these words and embody them, because without the embodiment of the people, these will mean nothing. So we've done mission, thinking about faith, hope and love, and we're on to our six values. Um, I know we've looked at story in some detail and I am talking to you today about connection. Um, but before I want to talk to you, I want to think about what a value actually is. And so, I mean, we could do a whole talk on this really, but if you look in the dictionary, uh, one of the definitions, so a value is principles or standards uh, of behaviour. It needs to look like something. So one's judgment of what is important in life. Now, it's often said, isn't it, if you want to know somebody's values, you should look at their bank account and you should look at their diary. What do they spend their money on and what do they spend their time on? You don't need to ask somebody what their values are. You can go and observe what someone's values are because values affect behaviour. Now, we know, don't we, it's absurd that if somebody says to us, well, I have a very high value of hospitality. It's a really important value to me. But that person has a big house, lots of empty rooms, but yet never put someone up who needs a bed. They have big space, big dining room, but yet never have they invited people around for meals or always refused when asked to host small group in their house or never volunteered at a church lunch or event. And if that person says to us, well, I have a high value of hospitality, 
Oh, we'd question it, wouldn't we? Because values are translated into behaviour. And that's how we tell what is truly important to somebody. Just because something is written down on our website as a church, uh, as we talk about it, it doesn't mean it's a value unless it is practised, unless it is embodied by us, the church, the group of people proclaiming this. Uh, so, um, connection. <laughs> it can be a really abstract word. How does that translate into a value, I hear you say? Uh, that's a really good question, but I love that this word, this concept of connection is a value for YCC. Um, but abstract words can mean different things to different people or different contexts. So let's explore what we really mean. Now at the heart of this value is the Hebrew word shalom. Uh, now that word shalom is often translated into English as peace. Now peace, um, I don't know what you think about when you think about peace. Uh, we now live in West Cardiff. I was living in central London. There was not a lot of peace in central London. It is much more peaceful here in West Cardiff. Uh, very quiet streets, not as much traffic or sirens. But peace, that word in English is also often understood as the absence of noise or the absence of violence, perhaps. But this biblical word of shalom, it means something much bigger. Um, shalom is really about how things ought to be, how, thing, how God intended things to be originally. It calls for a transformation of society. That's huge. This concept is really big. And Perry Yoda, a theologian, uh, he says this. In discovering the meaning of shalom, this concept of peace, this connectedness that we're talking about. In discovering the meaning of shalom, one must understand that at the core of the biblical faith, lies a cluster of key convictions. Beliefs about God, beliefs about the world, and beliefs about humankind. And he says that these convictions are connected to each other. And in fact, they flow into one another. So this means that to understand any of them properly, it is necessary to see how it is linked to other core beliefs and how it is to be understood in the light of these connections. Now, you see, the principle of connection is deep and important as we understand the Bible, as we understand who God is, we understand the world that we are in. And we understand humankind and ourselves included in that. Connection is key to that understanding. And Yoda, uh, Periyoda, argues that you cannot understand Shalom without understanding justice and without a bigger understanding of salvation. Shalom, this peace, justice and salvation are connected into one another. 
Now, we obviously don't have time in this talk, you'll be pleased to know, I'm not going to take that much time, to unpack all of those key convictions in detail. Although, always ask me anytime, I love talking about this stuff, please do. Uh, but this value invites us into a richer understanding of God, our world, and ultimately who we are and how we connect to one another. So let's explore a little bit of how things ought to be. If Shalom is working for how things ought to be, how should they be? What were they designed to be? And we talked, haven't we, about story, living in story. And I love that. I love it. It's so important to understand God's story. And we heard from Lisa about telling our own story and the power of story uh, and how it affects one another, how it brings healing. But we need to understand the God's story that we are living in. And so that story has been going on way before us. It will be going on way after us. And God's invitation is join in with my story. Join in with what I'm doing. And this value of connection, unsurprisingly, is connected to his story. How things ought to be. Jesus came to make things how they ought to be, how they were designed to be in the beginning. And that is the story that we dedicate our lives to. If we say we're Christians, we're submitting ourselves to following Jesus. We are dedicating ourselves to that story. How well do you know that story? How well do you know God's intentions of how he designed things to be, how things ought to have been? And so let's explore this. Now, at the heart of this value lies the belief that God originally made things to be in right relationship. And so uh, right us in right relationship with God. Now, we talk about that a lot. We hear about that a lot, especially in evangelical Western Christianity. Um, now, I have the privilege at Tiffin of working in a global team, doing a lot of global theology. And if you go to different parts of the world, there are different emphases in different parts of the world. And certainly in the Western world, our theology emphasizes this restoration in our relationship with God. Now, that's not a bad thing. Of course, we want to be reconciled to God. Um, however, just when we focus on that, we've forgotten a much bigger part of the gospel. God also designed us to be in right relationship with others. Now, that's people in our family, our community, uh, our nation. What about our global neighbours? Now, we might not have ever met them, but we have relationship. We are connected to them. If you drank a cup of tea or coffee this morning or orange juice or ate a banana or, quite frankly, most foods or anything that we're eating, connected to our global neighbour in some way. Now, that connection could be a good one or a bad one. Uh, was someone exploited for the clothes, they made, how they made the clothes we're wearing or the tea we're drinking? Uh, but that also is about a right relationship with the powers and the systems of this world also. Uh, and so this concept of 
yes, a right relationship with God, but also a right relationship with others, with global neighbours, with systems and powers, is important to understand in how God intended things to be. Now, God also wanted us to be in a good relationship with ourselves. We are image bearers of Christ. We carry the Holy Spirit in us if we've asked the Spirit into our lives. And God designed for us to be in a good relationship with our bodies, with our minds. And we've heard so much more about mental health, haven't we, in the last year. Uh, but it goes beyond that. God designed us to be in good relationship with our purpose, with our vocation, in our work. We spend so many hours of our life doing, dedicating ourselves to. God designed us to be in good relationship with ourselves. And God designed us to be in good relationship with wider creation. The earth, the created order. We were designed to understand that we're a part of creation. That this sort of theology that we probably inherited, that we are somehow set apart from over creation, is maybe a distorted misunderstanding of who we are. God created this beautiful world that we are a part of. Now, yes, we have a special relationship with God that is different from animals and wider creation. I'm, I'm not disputing that at all. But we sit alongside a part of a community of creation that God designed us to be in relationship with. And again, in a Western society, we are so disconnected from creation. And again, in much of the global church are deeply connected to the community, they, the wider creation that they live in. They understand the community of creation. I spent time, I haven't got time to tell you all the stories, but, um, you know, a time with a tribe in the Amazon rainforest. Uh, incredible few days with them. Uh, it took a very long time to get there down the Amazon River. And this community took us around the forest. They literally lived in the forest. And the chief talked to us about, he could tell me every plant that as we trekked up this hill for, I don't know how long it took us, ages. As we went along, he could tell us every plant, what it was designed for, any medicinal purposes it had, how to care for it, what its relationship was to the plants around it. And to be a chief in that community, you needed to be able to understand that. That was what qualified you. Unless you understood your role as preserving, yes, the community, the people, but the wider creation, then you, were no, you had no business being chief. And so we talk about this concept we see in Genesis was ruling over of creation was to serve, was to know what the creation needed and this chief. Anyway, I digress. I'm getting into my talk for next time. But understanding that we are a part in relationship with wider creation is really important. And so how things ought to be the shalom of God, the peace of God would look like things being us being in right relationship with God with others, our global neighbour, the powers of this world, 
ourselves and wider creation is core to understanding this value of connection, that we are connected, we are not isolated. And when there is a break in one of those relationships, that's where things go wrong. This is where we see sin. When we have sinned against God, we know that there is a break in our relationship with him of some sorts. And we know, don't we, that Jesus offered a way to be forgiven and to reconnect, to reconcile to God. And it is the same when we see breaks in our relationship with our neighbours. It's often because there is sin there of some sort. Someone has hurt one another, someone has cheated someone, has treated them badly. In our relationship with creation, have we exploited creation? Have we uh, neglected creation and our relationship to it? Do we act as the chief does, caring deeply for creation, knowing it intimately and understanding his role to preserve it and care for it as he lives, as his community in harmony with it? What about our relationship with ourselves? And we know, don't we, often these are the hidden places that uh, we get caught up in guilt and shame, where we self-harm, whether that's physically or emotionally, and the stories that we tell ourselves, whether that is about what happens in secret in the areas of uh, addiction, perhaps, whether that's around food or alcohol or pornography, these broken relationships with, our, with ourselves, often sin is present and that is what breaks relationship. And the story of the gospel, the shalom of God, is things being brought back into their right relationship and as they were supposed to be. And so this is rich, deep theology. Understanding the shalom of God is to understand the justice of God. Justice isn't just this shalom and justice isn't an absence of noise and of violence, but it is a proactiveness. It speaks peace, the richness, the, the, how things ought to be, the right relationship into a space. It is a Western privilege to talk about peacekeeping. Peacemaking, however, bringing things back into its right relationship, takes proactivity. It's hard work. Peacekeeping is about keeping the status quo, is about not disrupting. But peacemaking, waging peace, where there is disunity, where there is broken relationship, is hard work. For uh, Tear Fund, where I worked for a long time, this is the core theological concept of what we do. That poverty is ultimately comes from broken relationships with God, others, the environment and ourselves. And it leads to deprivation, poverty, economic poverty, relational poverty. And so what we do is in is is restore these relationships. Dear friend of mine set up uh, an organisation called Restored Relationships all around ending violence against women. And the core belief 
there is that the relationship between men and women is broken. And what is needed is a restoration of those relationships. And there, justice will be. In the restoration of that relationship, we will find justice done once again. We will find peace, not just the absence of violence, but a positive, right relationship. And as these relationships are brought back into how they were designed to be, is a part of our salvation. That is what it means to be liberated from death and sin, is to find forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration. So this value of connection, and we're going to go through over the next month, I think it's the next literal four weeks, but over the next little while, exploring that relationship with God, with others, with ourselves and with creation. And in a couple of weeks, we'll be talking more about that relationship with creation. And like I said earlier, I love the luxury of spending this much time going over what do we mean? Because as I said at the beginning, this value has to be lived and embodied. And it's so important. We heard last week, and I know Adam talked about this verse that we find in Colossians 1, uh, 15 to 20. This is this connectedness, this reconciliation of relationships is a core concept of our gospel. Colossians 1 says this, this son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things, all these things we've talked about, hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, in that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile, restore, reconnect to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace. That word, that concept of shalom through his blood shed on the cross we find again in in 2 corinthians 5 again will probably be well-known verses to us so from now on we regard we regard no one from a worldly point of view though we once regarded christ in this way we do so no longer therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he was committed to, he has committed to us the message of of reconciliation he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation the ministry of reconnection this value of connection that you hold as a church 
is the gospel, is the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling to God, to others, to ourselves and to wider creation. So this word that may feel abstract, that may feel distant, that may have different concepts for different people, is the core part of our gospel, is our story, is the story that we tell, is the story that we need to become familiar with and get practice in sharing with others, but also practiced in our life. As I said at the beginning, you can have those words written on a bell for a hundred years, and they do nothing until a group of people pick up these words and embody them. They mean nothing. And so I want to invite you over the next number of weeks, this concept of connectedness, this interconnectedness between the peace of God, the shalom of God, justice and our salvation are so intertwined that we enter into what it means to embody those things and live them out. Uh, I look forward to being with you in a couple of weeks. I look forward to carrying on this journey with you, this connection, what it means for us, what it means for us as a church and a, and a community of people is absolutely core to who we are. Thanks. <laughs>